0: Good morning, Faith Family. Morning. Hey, happy Easter to you. Easter. Yeah, thank you so much, and uh, welcome to our guest. We are so glad that you're here. What a great day to be able to worship together! And aren't you glad that you're able to come together in truth and no reality because of Jesus Christ? And this morning we're going to celebrate that. I have the best job in the world. You know why? I get to tell you about the greatest news in the world. And I just decided this morning I'm going to come out of my shell. I'm, I'm usually so uh, I'm so calm. If you're a guest, I usually I just sit on this chair, and I don't hardly move. But this morning I'm coming out. I mean, I, this is exciting stuff. Uh, it really is exciting because I believe that this is this is life. It's life, and when you know this to be true, it really does change everything. And so I'm glad you're here. Let's celebrate together. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to look at uh, verses 12 uh, through verse 26 for our scripture reading. And if you're able to stand, I'll ask you to do so for the honor of reading God's Word. If you're a guest with us, we do this every week. uh, Because we believe here at Berean that these are the very words of our God, breathed out by the Spirit. And so the good news is this is the authority, uh, not me. And so let's read as the Apostle Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And if Christ in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive but each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then in his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. This is God's word. Pray with me. Father, it really is a joy to be... Uh, gathered with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to celebrate truth in reality. I pray every heart in this room knows it to be true. I pray every life in this room and in this place would come face to face with the reality of the resurrection this morning. And would I pray that you would change hearts and change lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Years have passed and nobody talks about it anymore. But I can still remember that train whistle blowing in my sleep. They were the words of a German pastor who was pastoring a church in Germany during the Holocaust. He shared about how he remembered hearing stories of what they were doing to the Jewish people, but how he and his fellow church members just turned a blind eye. They acted like nothing was going on. They tried to keep it out of mind. But that was hard to do. And it was hard to do because right behind their church was a railroad track And every Sunday when they would gather for their worship service, they could hear off in the distance the whistle of that train. They could hear the wheels coming down the track, getting closer and closer and closer. And then as the train would pass by the church, they could hear the screams of people being carried away to the death camps. And that pastor said, we knew the time the train would come past our church, and when we heard the whistle, we started singing. And by the time the train came past where we were singing, we would be singing at the top of our voices. If we heard the screams, we just sang louder. And soon we heard them no more. Years have passed and no one talks about it anymore. But I can still hear that train whistle in my sleep. It's a haunting thing to live with a past you wish you could reverse. To wish that somehow, some way, you could go back and undo what's been done. All of us know that feeling, don't we, of looking at our story, at looking at our life, and seeing things we just wish we could go back and change. It would sound something like, if I could only go back I would have done that business deal differently. If only I could go back, I would have studied harder. If only I could go back, I would have gone to the doctor sooner. If only I could go back, I would have saved more money. If only I could go back, I would have told her, I love you. But we can't go back. And it's a haunting feeling at times to live in a story that you can't reverse. Why is that? It's because your story and my story is actually a part of a larger story that explains why things don't go the way they should. You and I are a part of a larger story that went off track in the beginning and generation after generation, family after family, individual after individual has been doing everything they can to reverse it, but they can't. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 15 when he says in verse 21, for as by a man came death, something went wrong, something in the past went wrong. Then verse 22, for as in Adam all die." The Apostle Paul takes us here in 1 Corinthians 15 back to the Garden of Eden. Now, for many of us, the Garden of Eden is almost cartoonish. You know, it's, we think of snakes and apples and appropriately placed leaves to make it suitable for children. But the Garden of Eden's not a cartoon. It, it, it's not a children's story. Dear friend, what happened in the Garden of Eden in that tragic moment, has real implications for your life and the world in which you live. You see, the Bible says that God created humanity. God created Adam and Eve in His image. Good, very good, honorable, valuable, God created Adam and Eve to be in relationship with him, that he would be their God. They would be his people. God, because he's just that kind of gracious God, provided abundantly for them. They had everything you could possibly imagine. Think about this. You have a man, you have a woman, they ain't got any clothes on. They're in a beautiful garden with an all-you-can-eat buffet, and God commanding them, be fruitful and multiply. And all the men said, Amen, right? Yeah. (laughs) Preach, preacher. It was awesome. Man, it was it was a beautiful rhythm—the rhythm between God and man, the rhythm between man and wife, the rhythm be- between mankind and the created order. It, it was like a a dance that was perfectly on step, a, a band that was perfectly in harmony, a picture where every stroke was perfect. And built into this rhythm of creation was this rhythm of obedience, because. Finding your joy in God isn't just about knowing Him, it isn't just about receiving gifts from Him, it's about having this faithful, obedient relationship with Him. You know this, don't you, as parents? There's beauty in obedience, There's something beautiful about that. And so God put this tree, the knowledge of good and evil, not as some killjoy, but as this total rhythm, perfect rhythm, a rhythm of obedience. And he said, if you eat of that, you will surely die. And Adam and Eve saw that it was good. And they did what was right in their own eyes. And they assumed, you know what? I think we can live life better than the creator of life commanded. And they ate. And in that moment, the beautiful rhythm was fractured. The picture was torn. This dance became like a white guy at his you know, high school reunion. Like, dude, seriously. It's way out of step. I mean, all of a sudden, the whole band is out of tune. This beautiful rhythm is broken and now pleasure is mixed with pain and relationships are filled with strife and work, which was good, is now frustrating and life now faces death and most tragic of all, this beautiful union with God is shattered. and you know it to be true there comes a point in life you got to stop and I'm hoping that'll be today and start answering some of life's biggest questions you know this to be true and you know why I know you know this to be true because you're reminded of it every time you go to a funeral You see it every time you look at the animal kingdom as they devour one another. You see this, parents, in your children as they are naturally selfish. I love that pick, by the way. (laughs) You see this in the aging process. You, You watch the news and you see acts of terrorism. You have slow internet speeds. I don't know that that's part of it, but... And we of all people know this to be true because the biggest sign of the curse has to be Minnesota winners. (laughs) Amen? Yeah. You know that's true. Come on. You know that's true. (laughs) You see, here's the point, friends. Let's be honest. When you look past vacations and graduations, you know deep down there's something wrong. That this life in this world, with all the many good things it has to offer, is broken. And one of the reasons we know that's true is because in our efforts to try to solve these problems, what we're saying is, if only we could reverse it. If only we could reverse it. And you say, but what does this have to do with me? I'm glad you asked that question. Because Romans 5.12 says... Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. As the head goes, so goes the body. As dogs give birth to dogs, birds give birth to birds, When Adam and Eve fell, the whole human race would give birth to this family line of sin and death, meaning you and I were born into not only a broken world, but we were born into sin whereby we sinned. And it separated us from God. And there's nothing you can do to escape it it's why Paul says in Adam all die you have likely heard of the name Harry Houdini the great escape artist a man who they would seal in coffins they would lock up in chains they would put in high security prisons and it seemed like every time he was able to escape before he died he was talking with his wife and he said you know what if there's a way to escape death I'll be able to find it. And I'll make contact with you one year after I die. Harry Houdini's wife put a candle, a light underneath his picture. And ten years after he died, she turned it out. Because Houdini had found a situation that even he could not escape. And neither can we. If only I could reverse my story. Paul says, Listen, we were created in the garden for fellowship with God, and it was good. It was very good. But one man took us from a garden to a grave. Is there any hope? How do we turn this around? I got great news for you, and I'm going to give you a little hint. It's Easter. (laughs) It's why you're here. What does then Paul say, verse 20? But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, but then notice this by a man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Here's the really awesome truth, the great news this morning. It's why I can't contain myself, is because this story of birth, death, birth, death birth, death, birth, death God came into that story God took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin. Why? Have you ever thought about that? To avoid Adam's seed, whereby he was not, unlike you and I, born into sin. And what did he do? He did what Adam did not do in the garden. He lived a perfectly obedient life to the Father. And then what did he do? On a Friday afternoon right outside of Jerusalem, he placed himself under the curse of death. It's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Friends, look right here. God came into the story did what Adam could not do and offered himself up in our place at Calvary. But that's not it. Because if the bones of Jesus are today in a Middle Eastern tomb, he is no different than anybody else. But what does Paul say? Verse 3 For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised. Don't you see? In the resurrection, Jesus is reversing the story. He's doing... What nobody else could do, and nobody else has done since, he faced the curse of death head on, but he lived to tell about it. He defeated the grave. And that's why Paul, he is so certain of this, verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been Raised there is no doubt whatsoever in his mind, and friends, there is no doubt in mine, because two thousand years ago there was a man that the Roman government wanted to display in front of everybody as a fraud. The entire religious system wanted to put him forth as an example of what happens to blasphemers, and so they executed him publicly so that everybody could look at him and say what he promised is a lie. But three days later, they couldn't find a body. And he appeared to over 500 people. And right here, his very disciples who didn't even believe it at first were willing to be tortured to death while testifying, I saw him alive. Christianity is not founded on an emotional experience or logical arguments or a philosophical idea. Christianity is founded on a real act of redemption that took place in time and space. If Jesus did not die in time and place and was raised in time and place, there is no Christianity and you're wasting your time this morning. Why are you even here If this is not true, but in fact it is. So you're right where you should be. And you say, but if this is true, and I know this to be true, and I I believe by faith this is true, what does this mean for my life? Man, I'm so glad you asked that. Because Jesus, you ask a lot of good questions, by the way. Jesus isn't just reversing the story of humanity, he's reversing ours. You see, Paul here uses this word, first fruits. And if you know anything about harvesting, you know it's the the foreshadowing of the harvest to come. The full harvest isn't here yet. In fact, Paul goes on to say, as we read a few moments ago, that a day is coming he'll put all enemies under his feet. But even now we start to see, because of the risen Savior, because of the resurrection, we start seeing signs of this. And it has everything to do with your story right here. If you know Jesus by faith. You know what? i got to believe you know whether or not that's true of you. Like I have to believe that you know whether this is a religious game for you today or whether or not this is real. If it is real, if you know Jesus, he is reversing your identity Notice verse 17. And if Christ has been raised, your faith is futile. And then notice this phrase you are still in your sins. Right here, this is where it gets really awesome. If you're in this line, if you're in this family, if you're still in Adam or outside of Christ, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this is your identity according to the Bible, not according to me. You are standing before God right now condemned because of your sin, isolated and separated. But the good news, woohoo! the good news of Easter, come on, is in Christ, you're not still in your sins. He has taken your past, he has taken your story, and he has wiped it white as snow. If you're here, yeah, we can clap for that. That's I'm going to run around while you clap, all right? Man, if you're here, your identity is condemnation. If you're here, He's reversed your story because there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's turned your story around. Donald Barnhouse tells about an American soldier that was captured in the Latin American War and he was brought before a firing squad and and about to be killed. They, They had raised their guns and they were just about to fire when a general runs in with an American flag. And he takes the American flag and he puts it around the soldier. And he says, Do you know who you're about to kill? This man is an American soldier. If you kill him, you will bring on the wrath of the United States. And the man was spared. You see, left to himself, he was condemned to death. But once it was discovered he belonged to somebody else, once it was discovered that his identity was in something greater than himself, he found life and I want to offer you this morning something greater than being wrapped in the red white and blue this morning you can be wrapped in the very righteousness of God for he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God how's that for an identity amen the resurrection turns your story around. But I ain't done yet. We're just getting warmed up. All right, come on. You know, you're the last service. I can go all day. All right, here we go. Man, it ain't just about reversing your identity. It's also about reversing your eternity. Look at verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished he talks about this idea of eternity and about those who've gone on before if the resurrection is not true here's the point is if you're here if you're in this line if you're in this family if you're outside Christ you don't have a relationship with him be honest we got to be real I'm going to be straight with you your eternity is separation from God The very presence of which your heart, whether you know it or not, longs to be in. You will be separated forever. Come on. But if the good news of Easter is if you're in Christ, you have the promise of eternity with God. You will not perish. You'll have everlasting life. You know how I know? Uh, Let's just take Jesus' word for it. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may also be. Man, isn't that awesome? We're not afraid of death. If you know this to be true in your life, you're not afraid of death. It doesn't mean that you will not die if Jesus does not return, but it means death won't keep you from God. Cancer, car accidents, brain tumors will not have the last word christian jesus has already had the last word when he walked out of a grave don't listen don't you see the resurrection starts changing our story it changes our de- our identity we're no longer in our sins it changes our eternity because we have the promise of eternal life with god but it also reverses our mentality. Look at verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, if you're here and you're outside of Christ, I'm going to be straight with you. This life is the best you got. It's the best you got. But the good news of Easter is if you know Jesus, if you're in Christ, if you believe in the resurrected Savior, He doesn't just give you this life. He gives you abundant life. For I have come that you might have have life and life what? Abundantly. Think of it this way. I'm about to go crazy. I'm serious, y'all. Listen. This is eat... Drink and be merry, for tomorrow we will die. It's the best you got. This is eat, drink, and be merry, for yesterday we did die. But now we have real life, so I don't have to freak out about bills. I don't have to be overly panicked about the medical report. I don't have to live under this stress of trying to be somebody that everybody thinks I can be. Why? Because I've got more for me than just what this life offers. I have abundant life that has been given in Christ Jesus. And no matter what happens to me in this life, my hope isn't dead Because my hope walked out of a grave. God is with me through it all. And he is preparing something for me that as good as this life is, it won't even hold a candle. Do you see how that changes your mentality? It gives you a whole different outlook on life. That it's not, I'm going to live 80 years and build an empire to me and watch it all crumble when I die. That's sad. If that's all you've got, that's sad. But when you can say, man, I can enjoy this life because I am free And the abundant life that Jesus gives, that's joy. That's joy. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Why? Because I know who holds the future. And life is worth living because He lives. He reverses your mentality. And lastly, He reverses our security. All throughout this text, you see this phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. What does that mean? In a very simple way, what does that mean? What is it that being in Christ, like finding my security in Him, what does that mean? Here it is, all eyes right here. If you're here, and you are outside of Christ. You are in this family line. The best you have is hoping that you'll be good enough. That's your security. I'm going to stand before God one day and say, Well, I helped an old lady. I gave to charity. Is that enough? Not a chance. Because you can't reverse your story. But when you are in Christ, when you are in Christ, what does that mean? It means His work has been applied to you so you don't have to be good enough. He is enough. And when your security is in that, then, then you are able to have a peace that passes all understanding. Do you really think you can reverse your story? Only the resurrection can do that. So this morning, I plead with you for the most clear moment of honesty you've ever had in your life. You're either in this family or this family, period. There is no middle ground everyone in this room everybody in this building this morning is either in their sin separated from God without hope of eternity with God hoping they can be good enough or you are in Christ you have admitted your sin you have put your faith in him You have surrendered your life to Him to follow Him, and you have received a new identity. You have received a hope that will not pass away, and you know that His work is sufficient forever. So where is your story headed? This morning, do you need Jesus to turn your story around? You say... (laughs) Pastor, you don't, you don't even know. My story is impossible. If you only knew what was in my life, if you only knew my past, you would know it is impossible to turn this around. Oh, really? Can I just remind you of a Friday afternoon and an all-day Saturday and for a few moments on Sunday morning when the story of Jesus looked impossible as well? And on Sunday morning, arms that had not moved in three days started to twitch. A heart that hadn't pumped blood for three days started beating. Eyes that had been scabbed over by blood for three days on Sunday morning were wide open. And a man whose story they said was over walked out of a grave so that I could stand before you today based on the authority of God's Word and say, there is not a story in this room that is impossible to turn around. But not now, Pastor. Not right now. We'll take it from a German pastor who knew he should have done something but ignored it that it is a haunting thing to live with a past you wish you could go back and reverse. To one day not hear the blowing of a train whistle, but to hear the blowing of a trumpet sounding, and knowing in that day you should have done something, but you didn't. I'm telling you, whoever you are, whatever your past... One man may have taken us from a garden to a grave, but this morning Jesus Christ can take us from a grave back to the garden. Let's pray. Every head is bowed, every eye closed. This morning is the moment of honesty. Where is your story headed? Some of you this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would say, Pastor, if I was honest, I do not know Jesus as my Savior. The direction of my life is and has always been running in opposition. This morning, Jesus, would you come and turn my life around? If that's you, I want to ask you right where you're seated, with your head bowed and eyes closed, if you would confess in your heart, confess in your mind your sin to God. God, I know that I have sinned against you. Would you, in your heart and in your mind, put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross and through the empty tomb? I believe that. Would you surrender your life today and say, God, come turn it around? The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Is that you? Did you pray that? Others of you, maybe you are a Christian, but your life has been going in the wrong direction. And this morning, your prayer is, God, I repent, I turn, by your grace, turn me around. Father, whatever you're doing, I pray that your spirit is making it clear in our hearts how Jesus and only Jesus changes everything in life. May every heart in this room, may every life in this room know him this morning.